Hey guys, welcome back to the Elevated Project Podcast. Today on episode number 49, I chat with Paul Busetta. Paul Busetta is a well-known fitness photographer, has been involved in the fitness industry for years. Playboy magazine, Strong magazine, Oxygen magazine. We talk about his history, how he got into photography, and what it's like to actually shoot with him. Take a listen, he's a great guy. Hey everybody, this is Mike Costelli. As you may or may not know, I'm the founder and owner of Nova 3 Labs, which produces some of the best and cleanest supplements for performance, health, and longevity. As a thank you for listening to The Elevated Project, I'd like to offer you an unlimited discount on purchases. Use the code ELEVATED15 at the checkout, and you'll get 15% off any order, anytime. Thank you for listening. So hey everyone, welcome back to the Elevated Project Podcast. Today I have this really amazing guy on here. Um, I have Paul Busetta. If you don't know who Paul Busetta is, then I feel really sad. I don't know if we can be friends anymore, Um, but he has been in the fitness photography and just fitness industry for um, how many years, Paul? Uh, 18. 18 years. So it's just a couple years. Um, And so I'm not even sure what episode this is. Um, I think we're in the fifties, but I would like Paul to give us a little overview of who he is, where he's coming from and what he does. All right. Well, I'm a, well, I'm a fitness and kind of, I call myself a skin photographer because I shoot men, women, and I shoot a lot of skin, uh, you know, being in the fitness industry and in the glamor industry as well. Uh, so I, it's, it's not a classification that's widely used. It's one I kind of self uh, created just for me. Um, so over the last 18 years, uh, I'm currently the chief photographer for strong fitness magazine and, uh, the founder, uh, of the magazine. And I'm also the, the chief photographer for Andy Vero magazine. Um, prior to that for, Oh, gee, I'm going to have to think about it. But about eight years, I was the chief photographer for Oxygen Magazine, for Muscle Mag, for American Curves, for Reps Magazine. Um, and I know I'm missing one in that genre of family, Maximum Fitness and Maximum Fitness. Yes. And, I, and I shot all the, the clean eating stuff uh, back in the day as well. Tosking, no. Yeah, yeah, back in the yes. day. Yes. And... Uh, uh, and just uh, at the beginning of that, just before I started all that, I was uh, I was one of I think eleven staff photographers in the world for Playboy, so I was shooting constantly for uh, for Playboy as well. Okay, so I want to know how you got started. How I got like started? How okay, did, how I, did I did it. it by accident, to be entirely honest, I just happened to have two things working in my favor. So what happened was I, I before that, I was working at uh, a major bank in, uh, in Canada for about uh, 12 years. And I was a wealth manager. I was a trader. I did all, all kinds of things while I was working at the bank. And then um, I kind of, I sold my portfolio, went into a little bit of an early retirement, trying to figure out what to do when I grow up. And uh, that was in my 30s. And I got into designing websites. And 
while I was designing websites, you have to understand back then cell phones didn't have cameras. Um, Digital cameras didn't really exist except for on the high, high, high uh, professional uh, range. And even back then they were just pretty bad cameras. Um, So I had one of these kind of, you know, I was designing, I got into designing websites and I, I realized that I needed to shoot content for the websites. I needed pictures to be interesting. And so I I had one of these cameras, you know, you put the film in it, you take your 24 or 35 pictures, whatever it was. And then you go to the one hour developing place up in the the local parking lot. um, And uh, hopefully they could develop it in an hour. Then you take the pictures, I'd come back, scan them and upload them to websites. (laughs) So that, that was kind of uh, what I was doing. And then I remember I, I, uh, an affordable digital camera came on and I bought it by accident on a a website called bid.com. Uh, which was the kind of at the, uh, at the onset, it was the competitor to eBay and uh, I was trying it out. So I put a, a kind of, kind of low offer on this digital camera thinking that, ah, you know, I just want to see how this works and I ended up winning the bid. So I said, now I got a digital camera and I thought, well, I guess I can use this. And it was a really bad quality camera. And so I, now I have unlimited pictures because I don't have to develop film. And, you know, so I started taking some pictures of my wife and I'm like, come on, this would be kind of fun. And a friend of mine had a girlfriend who um, was in modeling and the agency wanted some uh, recent images of her. And so he asked me if I would take some pictures of her with the digital camera so I could email them to, uh, uh, to the agency. I said, sure, have her come by. And I figured, you know, stand by a window and, you know, a couple of headshots, you know, acting headshots. That's kind of what I suspected. And I'll never forget this. She shows up with a suitcase opens it up and I look and it's all lingerie. And I'm like, I look at her, I'm like, you're going to post in your, you're going to pose in your underwear. Like, is this going to happen? And uh, so needless to say, I thought a couple pictures that turned into a whole day of shooting. Let's try a different outfit over here. Let's try something else over here. And um, so uh, the two, I mentioned, I had two things that were really going for me at the time. Um, I had the website that I was working on to learn the most on how to design website was uh, paulbusetta.com, my website. And back then it was a comedic blog. Literally, I would just, and before though, it was a journal because this was even before the word blog was a thing. Um, I'll dare say it was 2002, I think it was. And uh, um, so I started this, uh, so I, I, I took her pictures and I asked, can I put them on my website? And she was like, absolutely. Ooh, that'd be so cool to be on the internet because there was on no the Facebook on the, on the interweb. It was back then. Yeah. Like yes. if you, websites were $20,000 a pop back then. Yeah. This was before Facebook. So, you know, only major companies kind of had websites. Um, and so, uh, and why I got into designing websites. And so I put her gallery on my website and I didn't know this, but I knew about meta tags and about getting found on search engines. So I, you know, I put in my meta tags, a Toronto photographer, photographer, glamour photographer, just started adding photography, but it was kind of a joke. Cause I, I really, I'm not a photographer. It was no different than someone taking a picture with their iPhone of some girl in lingerie, but no one really had cameras back then. And what I didn't realize at the time is no Toronto photographer had a website. So any model that was looking for a Toronto photographer was finding me. And it was kind of, yeah, and it was a joke. 
But now all of a sudden I'm getting daily emails saying, hey, would you shoot me? Would you shoot me? I was like, yeah, I would. This is amazing. And I was like, life is good. And I kid you not, within a year, I'm shooting for Playboy. I'm shooting for Oxygen, Muscle Mag. Within a year, that all happened. Which is, I mean, you look at like the, the time then when like now everything is so saturated. Oh yeah. If someone like if, wants to say like, Hey, if I said to you like, Paul, I, I actually want to be a fitness photographer. Like what tips could you give me? And it would probably be like, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Well, good no, well, luck, right. Well, it, Just comparatively. Yeah. Well, here's the thing about photography and a lot of people don't know this and the universities do, but they don't say anything. Photography is like singing. You can sing or you can't sing. Studying it might make you a little bit better, but it's not going to ever make you a great singer if you're not already a great singer. Yeah. And photography is the same. Photography will teach you the aspects of ca capturing an image and, and about lighting and about that. But it's like singing. If you don't have it, you're not going to be very good at it. it it's, it's, I've come to learn that, that you know, I, I kind of got lucky. I can't sing, but I can take a picture. Yeah. And I mean, it's like even similar to, you know, because you have uh, Monica that does makeup for you, right? Yeah. She's phenomenal. And she just, she has an eye for it. Like she's, yeah. it's just her thing. And yeah. there are other people who are interested in makeup and like it, but will never have that eye. Yeah. yeah. Ever. Like, yeah. So I agree. I know actually we should have had her on here too, because she's so lovely. And I, I oh, I make another episode about her. She's, she is adorable. I know. So, okay. So, I want you to talk about how, like, why are you passionate about, about photography with, like, with women? I mean, you definitely do more with women than what you do with men. And well, I, I know, know that yeah. it's not a creepy thing. It's like, no. when I shot with you, I felt like it was like, you empowered me to like, be myself. Awesome. Yeah, I... Well, I don't shoot family pictures. I don't do no. weddings. I don't no. do, you know, there's a lot of, I shoot kind of what I'm most interested in the subject that most appeals to me. Um, and I even put on my website that because I'm no longer contributing or shooting for men's magazines that, you know, if you're a guy and you're looking to shoot, find another photographer, I'm not really your guy. I'm, yes. you know, uh, just being fair and, uh, so now I'm just kind of, I, I can kind of afford to focus, uh, to just shoot women. Um, yeah. So, but I think your question is, uh, sorry, <laughs> remind me of your question. I just want to know why you're so passionate about shooting, like shooting with women. Like, it, well, the, uh, I, I, it's interesting. No one's ever actually asked me that. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, beautiful women are appealing yeah. but you know if uh after a while that a pretty face gets lost like you just i'm just say yeah it's a pretty face and like but can you can you can come together can we get something beautiful that's kind of the the challenge um uh yeah it, basically i i shoot it because i i kind of love making something beautiful but there's there's a bigger part to it now than when i first started and that's kind of the empowering women through their through their beauty and their potential uh because a lot of people they don't see their value they don't see their beauty actually it's an expression i see beauty is lost on uh, on everyone our own beauty is lost because we're so familiar with it you know we get a pimple and uh, you know, we, we get emotional about it. Like, oh man, I look horrible with this pimple. But the reality is if you look at someone that has a pimple, it doesn't diminish their beauty at all. 
but we get all bent out of shape about having just a pimple. So, you know, a little roll of fat or a little skin that might be a little loose or a stretch mark or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, to me, I am like, yeah, so what? It's no different than seeing a pimple on the person. I'm like, don't, fo don't, don't focus on that. Focus on what we can do, what we can get. And um, yeah, I, fi I find that the, the, the real kind of, um, I, don't, I don't even know how to describe it. The real essence, the real reason I kind of end up doing it now is the empowerment of it, like being able to create something beautiful with people uh, and, 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 and the emotional aspect of making them feel better about themselves um, is actually overwhelming. And the, funny enough, one of the greatest stories I have about that is actually with a guy I shot rather than the female model. This was a guy, he had um, uh, burns to much of, of his body. So he was scarred. And he's this good looking guy that has scarring. But again, taking that pimple into account, right? Um, on a bigger scale, I guess. Uh, so he came in and, and I was shooting his wife and she's like, I really want some pictures with my husband. And I'm like, sure. And I, and I thought to myself, okay, let's, you know, I, I can tell this is a little uncomfortable for him, but let's see how we can, we can do this. And I, and I told him, I said, let's not go with trying to make you pretty. Let's go with making you rugged and, and, and make the images kind of, you know, aggressive in that. And, you, you know, you're going to take your wife rather than just kind of holding and kissing your wife. You're going to, you know, grab her and just be masculine and macho and rugged. And we looked at the pictures and he starts crying. Right. He's like, you know, I, I avoid mirrors. I don't like to look at myself in the mirror. I haven't seen, you know, and this happened to him when he was pretty young, I think less than 10. I think he was eight years old, if I remember correctly. Um, so his whole life, he hated looking at mirrors and, and he's looking at these pictures and he starts crying because uh, he sees himself as attractive. And I, for me, that was, uh, I started crying. I was, I was like, what's, what's going on here? I mean, I, I have female models cry at their pictures all yeah. the time. And, you know, I might get a little tear up. But when he started, I was like, oh, wow, what's happening here? I start crying. And um, so I really gave him something um, really, really valuable. Yeah, that he had never seen before. Yeah, yeah. And... You know, and I think that there's a lot of, like, I wanted to just bring about misconceptions about having photos done or like doing photo shoots, because I think that there are a lot of misconceptions that women think that, or, I mean, maybe men too, but for women, they think that they have to look a specific way in order to have a photo shoot done, right? Yeah. Like they have to be a model or they have to have a super like yeah. jacked physique and be super lean or um, that you only like to shoot like a specific type of female. Right. Which is totally like the exact opposite. Right. Absolutely. I, I love getting something beautiful with people and, you know, and that's not always necessarily the most perfect, you know, model or stereotypical model. Sometimes it's getting something where you're not expecting it. Kind of like that shoot I just mentioned with that guy. And that was 11 years ago. But that story, that's still the most powerful one. And it was with a guy. Um so yeah, I'll have a lot of models reach out to me saying, oh, I would love to shoot, but I'm not really, you know, the, like the models on your Instagram. And I said, my models on my Instagram are not like my models on my Instagram. They're like you. I just, you know, they're just, that's just them, the way I shoot them. That's yeah. the way I see them, that the beauty that is there. 
Um, so yeah, like a lot of the models that you see on my Instagram, you'd walk by them on the street and not think, oh, that could be a, a model that would be on Paul's Instagram. Um, you'd be kind of surprised like, wow, she could do it. I can do it. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things that I found, um, when I shot with you too, was, I mean, I was pretty lean then because I was competing, I think in like four weeks or five weeks mm-hmm. and that you, one of the things you wanted was to, to make it so that my pictures were softer, right? So that they were more feminine and not, yeah. so I was, you know, like there's a couple points where you were like, okay, you need to move because your forehead veins are sticking out now. <laughs> like, oh, yes. You know, yes, stuff, yeah. but mm-hmm. even just like some of the pictures that you took, you know, when you said them, it's like, they just look so feminine. They look so soft. And, mm-hmm. and I think that especially, if, well, if you do have women who are more muscular that carry more muscle, it can be sometimes difficult to have more feminine pictures done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I can appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, it, it wasn't being hard. Right. And yeah. The, and, and that's a different style. I'm, I'm yeah. not opposed to it. It's just not really um, the style that I do a lot of. I do shoot that you know, the harder lighting to really show the depth of and definition of muscle tone, the vascularity and, 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 and all that, um, the striation. I, I just, I have shot that and I know how to, but when we were shooting, we were shooting in a hotel room, a hotel yeah. suite, and it was a very well lit room. And I thought, let's, let's go with a natural airy kind of, and we'll make it a lot more uh, almost like a voyeuristic approach where it's very kind of you in a natural environment rather than, you know, holding a fitness pose and, you yeah. know, like a stage pose, which yes, nicely shows the physique, but is not an emotional type image. It's, yeah. it's literally, it's kind of like a documenting type image just to, to showcase here's the muscle at this time, rather than look at the beauty and the essence and uh, you know, the kind of almost like the personality of the model. Well, and it's, it's always fascinating to me, like just the human body, right? The way that when, how you can change lighting and accentuate certain parts of the body and, um, and like you do a really good job of that, but it's like, you don't spend hours posing people or you like, it's just like, it's like this, an hour of like freedom of just moving. And fun. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell you, uh, a tip and I hate giving away this tip because it's <laughs> because I, I find that a lot of photographers don't do this or I've heard photographers that don't do this and I'm like well I hope they never find out about this because so what I do a model the before a shoot they're in their head they're thinking to themselves oh what am I doing I'm not in the shape I want I'm not you know I, I don't qualify I'm not one of his Instagram type models I'm like you know and I mean and we're all like that we're all guilty of this and so leading up to the shoot you've already talked yourself down really badly and you're all stressed out and then you get in front of the camera and imagine I take the camera and I'm like no 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 don't do that that looks terrible Imagine how psychologically, how awful that must be on someone. They're like, I knew it. I don't, I shouldn't be here. He just, he just verified that I suck and that I'm no good. So, um, so what I do is I say, okay, try this pose. And I kind of, I do the pose and the model kind of does the pose and I'm like, good, 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 good. And I'm just 
encouraging, encouraging. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now let's try this pose. Now the model won't know. Maybe that pose looks really bad on her, but I'll never say that it looks bad or don't do that. I'll say, okay, good. Now let's try this. And I immediately, I just go into something else that's working better. So I stay positive. I stay positive. Every time I get a, a really kind of cool shot, I'm like, oh, wow, wow. Look at this. And I show the picture and they're like, oh, wow, this is working. So now they feel confident and they start, you know, throwing themselves into it a little bit more and a little bit more. And I keep showing the pictures. And, but what I don't do is stop them and say, oh, no, no, don't do that. You look bad doing that. Because yes. then right again, they get out of it. They go back into the headspace and the pictures reflect that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, it, and I always find like, it's the very first, like, you know, five or 10 minutes where you just kind of feel like a stiff robot, right? Yeah. You don't know how to move and you don't, there isn't really any like you still are just totally stuck in your head, right? So. Yeah, and, and, it, and, and it happens with absolutely everyone, even, even the next time. We shoot again, it's going to start a little slow, but then by the end, you're like, oh, we're, we're grooving now, and it's over. <laughs> no, and then it's like hours gone. What the hell? Yeah, yeah, I don't spend a lot of time with lighting, as, as you remember. I, I kind of, I, I have it all set up where I know how to get it really quickly. Uh, I'm more interested in the subject than I am in the, the technical aspect of the photography. Okay, so what is the strangest photo shoot someone has ever asked for you to do? Strangest photo shoot? Yeah, have you ever had one where you were like, oh, where you were like, <laughs> hell, like oh, okay, so. Uh, no, I can't, I can't, I, hold, on, hold on. No, I'm just thinking about what I can share. Okay. You can share I, anything. We just, we talk about anything on here. Okay. I had, I had this, oh, I don't know if I could share. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I can't share. We had this uh, one guy come in and he had paid me to shoot these three girls. And he's like, yeah, I want, you know, I want to shoot these girls. And his emails were very elaborate and the scenarios that he was after. And this and that. So, yeah, I can make that work. I can do that. You know, I'll get the makeup artist in. We have to start a little early because we have three makeup applications to get through before we can start shooting. And, and he was talking about the group shoots and all this and that. And it never occurred to me to ask to see pictures of these girls <laughs> or I would have, you know, I had more questions, but, and so they show up and you couldn't find three more different human beings. One was very, very lean. The other one was very overweight. Um, and one, one was like incredibly tall. And I'm like, I'm not entirely sure, like, is he doing this on purpose? Like, like I couldn't imagine. And I had, there was this one picture there, there all three of them were kind of sitting on the sofa and it broke. <laughs> the sofa broke. <laughs> and, and I just and I was like, this is so. What what I'm gathering was that this is a wealthy man, and these were his girls. That, <laughs> I, and I don't. I, I it was. I was like, just. I don't know. I, I was like, wow, this day can't really end soon enough. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I can only imagine that there's been some interesting scenarios over the eight mm -hmm. years that, and. So when you, so how did you get into shooting for Playboy then? Well, that's actually, that was, you know, the, the harder I work, the luckier I get. I really, I really <laughs> believe that. I, I was shooting a lot at the time. And one of the clients that I was shooting for was just, just before Playboy was Naked News. And they were doing an interview with uh, Taylor James. She was a, a Playboy playmate. Mm -hmm. 
And they asked me if I'd come in and shoot some B-roll of the interview and maybe get some, uh, just a few modeling pictures of her so they could use it in her video interview. And uh, I thought, oh, wow, a playmate. This is going to be amazing. I'm going to get not just to meet a playmate, but, you know, actually take pictures of a playmate. And, and these pictures, for the record, weren't even nude. Um, and so I met her and she was lovely. We got along instantly. And so I took her pictures and she really liked her pictures. And I mean, she hadn't heard of me. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't in magazines or anything at the time. I just kind of got started. And uh, she really, really liked her pictures. And she had already been to the Playboy Mansion a couple of times and she's already been the Playmate and all that. And so they wanted to do a kind of a little bit of a feature on her for because they had Playboy and then they have Playboy Special Editions, which is like they'll have a lingerie special. They'll have um, a school girl special. I'm a little embarrassed now to say these <laughs> back in the back in the time. It was a kind was of a, a thing. But totally now they, they don't exist anymore. Now it's just the original kind of Playboy. So they wanted to shoot a feature for her for one of these specials. I think it was a lingerie special. And uh, she asked, can this photographer uh, shoot it for me? Because she didn't want to go back down to L.A. And the guy called the, the publisher of Playboy called me. Um, his name is Jeff Cohen and a uh, great guy. And I, I, I got to reach out to him. We haven't communicated in a little while, but um, he reached out and asked me, you know, all these technical questions and that and said, okay. So at the end of the conversation, he said, okay, and I need you to send your film into, uh, 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 you know, this is how you ship the film. And I said, like, whoa, 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 film. I was like, no, no, no. I, I have a digital camera. I can't, I won't, I can't shoot it in film. And he's like, oh, well, we're only accepting film at this time. And I said, oh, okay, well, I'm afraid I'm going to have to turn you down. And he's like, wait, really? You won't shoot it in film? I'm like, listen, I'm going to be entirely honest with you. I'm just too afraid of fucking it up. I don't know if I can say that on your podcast, but, but there's a reason I, I, I said it that way. And so he calls me a month later and I uh, said, you know what? Um, uh, we'll accept your digital files. We'll make an exception and we'll accept your digital files, right? Um, what I found out later was they did the math. He told me later, they did the math and it was much cheaper for them to just pay me to shoot her than flying her down, getting the green card or not the green card, the, the visa through the lawyers and everything, putting her up in hotels, the, the stay, the, the, and then paying their local photographer guy. And they were like, no, you know what? Let's just have Paul shoot it, send the digital files. And... Um, so they called me and they said, listen, we'd want to do an interview with you. We want to actually tell the story about the guy who turned Playboy down. <laughs> and I was like, really? I was like, yeah, sure. So they literally ran my story. How I said, I was just too afraid to fuck it up. Yeah. And uh, so, they, yeah. So then they put me on the masthead. I was their Canadian uh, photographer. So it really was a financial decision. Uh, they were happy with my work and they thought it was way cheaper just to fly all Canadian girls to me have me shoot them, then flying independent, individually girls down to the U.S. with visas and everything in the legal department. So um, that really worked in my favor. And that's yeah. how that's how I got. Thanks to Taylor James. She got me into the into the Playboy. So when you did shoots like that, then did they deal with all like the, the makeup artists and everything you just showed up and, sh and shot or did you? Or did I, no, I was responsible for everything. I had to source the location, get the releases signed for wherever we're shooting. Uh, it was my makeup team at the time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just 
kind of build for, you know, I had a, I had kind of a budget and I build for, you know, whatever the shoot was going to cost. And uh, yeah. yeah. And that was long before you had a studio in Toronto. Well, that was before I had one. And then once yeah. I started, with, started shooting with them kind of regularly, I, I moved out of my living room and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and started shooting. Oh, I've shot a few Playboy and Oxygen covers in my living room. In your living room? In my living room. Yeah. 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 In the same house I'm, I'm in now. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how was it um, shooting? Like, so when you did the Playboy stuff, I'm assuming most of it was nude. Oh, yeah, it was all new. Yeah. Yeah. So who was more uncomfortable? You or did you ever get uncomfortable? Like there had to have been times where you were just like, whoa, this is like too much. Or is that no, just it, in the beginning? No, it, it actually doesn't get uncomfortable. No. Like everyone, no. And, and, and that's kind of one of the things. Like if I said to a model, uh, would you mind, you know, putting the bra strap off the yeah. shoulder a little bit? If I put it like that, then they're thinking, should I mind? Yeah. And if I say, okay, let's, let's get the bra strap off the shoulder. And they're like, oh, okay. Because yeah. it's kind of, we're working. Business. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I mean, it, we all know what we're there for. And, uh, you know, um, it was, I don't think there's ever been a situation where it's been uncomfortable for me. No, yeah. no, I, I mean, and I guess it's because it was, it's your job, right? Yeah. I guess yeah. it's probably it, more it, that there's it, more awkwardness from the women maybe but you've worked with me and it's kind of like i walk in and i'm like okay let's do this we're gonna do this we're gonna do that i don't give you i'm not like okay so are you gonna be okay getting naked if i ask that now they'll be like oh you know i am really nervous but i'm like all right so i'm gonna get you to get get into the robe and we're going to prep the set uh makeup and hair will be uh done over here and also they're like oh okay okay because it's it's kind of it's kind of like a doctor when they said, okay, get undressed, get into the robe. I'll just step up for a moment. You don't yeah. question it. You just do it. But if he's, if he asks you instead though, it's like, would you mind getting into the robe? You're, now you're like, should I mind? Yeah. So it just kind of, you know, it's a, I, it's the language I that you use. Yeah. It, it's just, it's business. You, you know, we have fun. It's always jokes, but it's kind of, you know, it moves at a faster pace so that it's not a lot of, you know, sitting there thinking, what am I doing? Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening so far. I hope you guys are enjoying this. I want to take a little break for an advertisement from one of our sponsors. A big shout out to my sponsor at Relief Natural Wellness. As most of you are aware, CBD has been trending for a hot minute. Now, we all know what happens when something is crazy popular. Everyone wants to make a quick buck, and this means a lot of cheap, ineffective, and low-quality products on the market. CBD has become super popular for good reason. It is a great all-natural option for treating a variety of conditions like pain, inflammation, sleep, stress, mood, and digestion issues. Relief Natural Wellness is a Canadian company, and they've built their brand on quality. They use only the highest quality Canadian grown hemp for a variety of products ranging from topical to tinctures and complete third-party lab testing on all CBD to demonstrate potency and purity. This is so important for anyone who might be subject to drug testing for THC in occupation or in sport. Their testing provides comfort knowing you'll pass those tests and they even sponsor athletes and retain many customers who do routinely undergo drug testing. Relief sets himself apart from the plethora of CBD products with their evidence-based formulas. 
This combines specifically selected essential oils to elevate the benefits of CBD, just another reason why their products really are more effective than other CBD products you might find on the market. So don't buy your CBD at a gas station. Hit up www.yourrelief.com for your next online purchase. Use Jamie10 in the checkout for a discount. No, and I think also too, like if you don't, it takes a little bit to get to know the person and what you can say to them and what you can joke about too. Like, yeah, you know, and like, for example, it was like, you know, if you don't really know someone and you're feeling like they're cold towards you, if you're wanting them to stick their ass in the air, you're probably not going to tell them stick your ass in the air. Cause you might, it might scare them a bit, but if you yeah. are getting the vibe that the person is totally, that's the language that they use, then. Yeah. Know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Cause I know that that was like, part of like in our in the shoot I was doing with you and I think I remember you saying you need to stick your ass higher or something like that and I would just laugh that sounds right because it was like that sounds right. and it was like well that's the perfect cue because that's what he wants me to do so I guess that's what I need to do so. and then you look at the pictures and you're like yeah he was right <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah and I think there's a couple in there too where you were like yeah I think your nipples out and it was like okay well we'll just cover that up <laughs> I you know what I often say that um, kind of as a joke. Laugh. And then I, yeah, I say it as a joke <laughs> and I go click, 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 click as the model's face of terror, kind of like, <gasps> oh my God, and reaches to, to cover up. And then we, you know, we get some fun, funny pictures of a, yeah. of a joke, really. It's, it almost never happens. No, and it just lightens the whole scenario too, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so what do you think the biggest fear is that people have when they shoot with you for the first time then? That they're not good enough. Like yeah. that's, that is the one that's the, the, the kind of the recurrent is like, ah, I don't belong here kind of mindset that they're not, again, I'm going back to it, that they're not one of my Instagram models. And uh, I really can't emphasize enough how very few of my Instagram models are like my Instagram models. They're, they're, these are average people. I don't work with high-end fashion models or, or, or anything like that. I work with very real people. Um, that, that's where my, my kind of magic happens. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in a place professionally where I like doing what I'm doing and I can afford to just kind of hyper-focus on it rather than, you know, I'm, I'm no longer accepting commercial, uh, work. Uh, I just don't feel like doing it anymore. Um, I'm not shooting, you know, weddings or any, any other thing. I'm just kind of like, I'm not interested in it. And I just want to shoot for fun and because this is what I love to do. Um, uh, yeah. So I, uh, anyhow, I'm going off on a tangent, but no, but yeah. I think that it's like, I was going to ask you just about the, like the evolution of, of like Paul, like the evolution mm -hmm. of you and your business too, you know, like how do things look now compared to when, like when you first started, you know, like what, what's important to you now. And then, you know, what has become less important Cause I think that's changed a lot. Like, I mean, I followed you for a long time. I, mean, I used to be yeah. like the total rah, rah, like oxygen girl back in like 2005. Yeah. And, you know, and it was actually cause you know, ocean bloom. I know ocean. Yeah. So ocean and I are, are, are really good friends. Um, okay. And so she was actually the one I think who first told me about you. And that was, I mean, it's a long time ago and it was always yeah. like, on my list, I was like, God, I, I have to shoot with Paul Busetta someday. 
but I look at like what you did then as compared to like, I feel like you've totally evolved. Yes, I have. Yeah. It, um, ah, how do I describe it? You know, part of me likes to say that it's because I'm lazy, um, <laughs> but it kind of, uh, imagine an artist. Uh, we all, we all start with a crayon, right? And then we evolve, evolve to like pencil and maybe a charcoal pencil. And, you know, some, some people go to pens, but let's say maybe they go to paints and pastels and, you know, different mediums to, and then, and everyone's like, Ooh, oil canvas is the thing. Uh, but some of my favorite artists are actually work with pencils. And I kind of went full circle in the photography spectrum because remember, I, I didn't actually have a chance to take a course in photography. I, I bought a digital camera, started a website, shot a girl, all of a sudden all these girls want to shoot and I'm, I'm learning photography just because I'm shooting almost every day. Yeah. Uh, and I'm Googling what, you know, how does the camera work? And uh, uh, how to do lighting. So I start with natural light, which is like a pencil, right? And then I say, well, we add an on-camera flash to enhance the light or reflectors and diffusers. Now we're stepping into pastels and, and you know, charcoal pencils. And I say, okay, now I'm going to start getting strobes to put, you know, and, and bounce light here off the background and the model and diffuse things and get all kind of complicated with the with the lighting and now we're officially into like the, the oil on canvas of photography and i did that for years and i got really good at it and i have all this gear and then i started and i was flipping through i remember it was an italian vogue i was just kind of flipping through it randomly and i was like these pictures are beautiful and effortless and i think and and, and it kind of dawned on me that i'm missing all the most beautiful moments by uh you know, trying to control every element of the image by, you know, wait, 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 hold that. I'm going to go move this light over there and I'm going to move this light and hold that pose. And the, the moment is gone when you, when you do that. And this is just my opinion, but I yes. mean, there, there are so many different styles of photography and no one is really better than the other. They're just different. It's like Van Gogh, Rembrandt, Picasso, Klimt. They're, they're all different. Um, and so I kind of regress my photographic style to go back to something simple to capture kind of the essence of the movement and expression. Uh, and the easiest way to do that is with constant or natural light, because what you see is what you get. And because with a flash, you take a picture and you have to look at the camera to see what you got. You have no idea. Yeah. Uh, but with natural light, it's kind of like taking a picture with your iPhone, right? You know what you're going to get the moment you push that button. Yeah. Um, and, and so my photography or photographic approach completely turned and went and regressed, went right back down to a natural or a constant light. And a constant light is just like a light, like a flashlight that's always on. It doesn't actually flash. Uh, so that's almost exclusively what I'm doing now. And if you look at my Instagram, you'd see that uh, um, it's like 99% natural or constant light. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so now the magazines so I just want to touch yeah. on those because magazines seem like like now with everything digital that we have and yeah. how so I'm just wondering how things have changed with magazines and like I mean when you went from oxygen to mm -hmm. and then you created strong so how did you come about about creating strong magazine 
Okay, well, uh, I was the, the chief photographer for Oxygen for about eight years, and I worked with the entire uh, strong, oh, sorry, Oxygen team. Uh, and then we were actually shooting for Oxygen on the Friday that they went bankrupt. And I get a phone call from a friend of mine saying, is it true? Actually, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, Terry from Inside Fitness Magazine, oh, yeah. okay. from a competitive magazine, yes. he calls me and he's like, hey, Paul, is, it, is this true what I'm hearing about you know, RKP being bankrupt? But oxygen, you know, and that being bankrupt. And I was like, what? I'm in the middle of a shoot. I know nothing about this. Uh, and sure enough, yeah, it went bankrupt on a Friday. And so, you know, I went home and, you know, I was like, wow, just lost a gig. Pretty big one. Pretty big. And yeah. yeah. And, and I was like, oh, wow, I'm kind of out of a job, just like everyone else at RKP. Right. I mean, I'm still shooting. I still do have a lot of my own work, but uh, my contract with Robert Kennedy Publishing with all the magazines was extensive. I, I was shooting maybe three times a week for their magazines. Yeah. Um, you name it from food to male bodybuilders to random lifestyle pictures and all the workouts and covers and stuff too. Um, and one of the reasons that was really convenient was that my studio was about 10 minutes away from their headquarters. So anyhow, um, so they went bankrupt on the Friday and on, and you know, I thought about it all night. And then the next morning I was like, you know what, this is stupid. How hard could it be? Paper, words, pictures, how hard can a magazine be? So I called the, the creative director for Oxygen, Aaron, Aaron Smith then now, Aaron Lutz. Um, and, you know, I said, hey, listen, I'm, uh, I'm thinking of starting a, a competitive, a, a magazine. There's a void in the industry, a serious void with oxygen gone. So I want to start uh, a magazine, a, fit, a female fitness magazine. And she's like, cool. And, you know, so I ran a, a name, a couple of names by her uh, of some of the staff from oxygen that I thought were pretty good and wanted to make sure, cause Aaron and I got along really well. We worked really well together and I want to make sure she was cool with them. And she's like, yeah, absolutely. So I called them the very next day on Saturday, hired the crew. And I said, all right, we're officially not unemployed. We're going right to work and starting a magazine. And then we got in the bid and a friend of mine who's very wealthy uh, called me and cause she had just heard that oxygen went bankrupt and said, Hey, would you be able to run oxygen if I bought it from the trustees? Yeah. And I thought about it for a moment and I was like, Oh, gee, I don't know. I, um, I, uh, and then I was like, well, of course I am. I'm prepared to start my own magazine. Of course I can run oxygen if I'm prepared to do that. So we got into the bidding process and we didn't get it. Um, so we, and I actually didn't like the name strong for a female fitness magazine. I thought it was too butchy. I thought, and, and, and I'll explain why is there was two guys involved in the whole process and five girls and the women were adamant about the strong as the name and us guys we were like, Oh, it just seems like it might be butchy. It might be, well, and it, it, it was the best mistake I ever made, not going with other ideas. Um, because men look at the word strong and they think, you know, horsepower, how much they can bench press. And that. A, yeah. a woman reads the word strong and she thinks so much more. It means so much more than just physical strength. Yeah. Um, and so we, we did a little survey where I had a bunch of fitness models come in and we had three different covers laid out with three different titles. And uh, like hands down, but not just a little bit. They were like, it has to be this one. It has to be strong. And that's, uh, that's how strong started. And it's, I mean, there's been more come from it too, where you have strong 
you have the strong camps too, right? Yeah, we have. So <laughs> I honestly, some of my inspiration comes from the weirdest places I took. Yes, we have um, uh, strong, uh, strong camps. And these are like weekend boot camps. Yeah. Uh, I, I did a motorcycle course early on when I uh, just at the same time as I was st- uh, uh, just before oxygen went bankrupt. And we spent the weekend with all these people riding motorcycles. And then at the very end, they just handed us papers and we we're all like, oh, okay, bye, I guess. Shouldn't we go get yeah. like a drink or, you know, like we just spent the weekend together. That's it. Like no exchange yeah. of numbers. Or, and it felt kind of weird. Then it occurred to me, if I can get a bunch of women together working out and doing all that, they'll bond like I bought, like I bonded with these motorcycle peeps. And then uh, we did a strong cap and something happened at camp and we weren't actually expecting this. It wasn't planned. It was a beautiful surprise. Um, we have a sit down moment where, you know, we talk about what strong means to you. And the first girl starts with something like, and don't quote me, cause I, I don't remember what the first person ever said, but it was kind of like, um, you know, we grew up really poor and my family did, didn't know about nutrition and we always ate so and so and then my mother passed away and my dad didn't know how to cook so we ate nothing but drive through and we knew all the menus and all the thing and I became obese in my teens and I was bullied and picked on and that and the tears start flowing and everyone's crying and the next girl and because we all have our shit and they just started sharing and kind of you know, like it was a safe place and everyone is just sharing. And the strong camp ambassador, I remember she looked over at me like, is this okay? And I was like, I, yeah, like I don't, this is, you know, we're on, I mean, we're, we seem gold. to be onto something. Yeah. I, I don't want to say it's gold, but I say this is actually way better. And so what happens is the strong camp starts in the morning. We do a killer workout. Then we do the group shoot while everyone's nice and sweaty and got that rugged kind of cool look. And then we do like stretches and cool down a little bit. And then we do that talk and then we go to lunch. And everyone was saying at the lunch times, like, you know, if camp, and it was a, a weekend camp, two day camp, everyone was saying, if camp ended right here, it would have been the best money they ever spent. And I was like, okay, we have to do this at all camps. Um, and that's one of the things that makes the, the strong camp so su- successful is that it's very based on personal um, um, growth more than just getting a kick-ass workout with good nutritional advice um so anyhow so that's strong camps we have we have strong fitness nutrition we have the strong challenges online um we have a strong membership uh website with a strong community with uh, the facebook strong group as well so we've kind of built it all and so just to be clear i um so I started it and then just uh, last year, late last year, I brought in uh, partners and they are now running the show. I've kind of stepped back from, uh, from doing that. And so I can focus on shooting women. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you know, the whole strong camp thing actually kind of reminds me of, I mean, you obviously remember Jen Hendershot. I know the name. I've never met her. And Nicole Wilkins. Yes. Her I've shot a few times. She, I, I shot her for a cover for strong. Yeah. And so Jenny, Jenny Hendershot had fat camp, fat camp, PH. Yes. I remember PH, that. Yeah, 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 and I, yeah. and I went to a few of them actually with right. ocean. Um, and, and then Nicole Wilkins ended up buying it from, from Jenny uh, okay. and taking it over, um, which I think Nicole still is like running, but it totally reminds me of that. I mean, that's, that's, we went and we, we would work out and then we would, sit together and talk and tell our stories and people would cry and hug and you know yeah. all of that stuff and yeah. 
but it just sounds like, of course, like yours is, has a little bit more to it than what fat camp, but that totally reminds me of just a bunch of women wanting to get fit, working out, sweating, crying together, you know. I, honestly, it's such a beautiful weekend. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I can't recommend it enough. So do you just do it in, so is there only one location that you do it or do you have other ambassadors throughout Canada and the United States that host them? We're, yeah, we're, no, we're mostly in the US. We were, by now we would have been about 50 camps a year, uh, but strong, like we were growing it almost exponentially. Like it was yeah. almost doubling every year uh, because everyone wanted to be an ambassador. Everyone wanted to run a camp. And, uh, you know, so the U.S. has opened up a lot more than Canada has. So this year we're actually having quite a few camps. We've already had uh, three camps this year, Mm -hmm. Um, even with COVID. I mean, respecting all the COVID uh, guidelines with social distancing and and, and masks and and what have you, Um, which is a really tough thing because I... I ha- I'm hesitant to promote and advertise something that could potentially be dangerous. Yeah, and, or, you know, or, or canceled. Yeah, but uh, more dangerous. I'm, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, you need to sign up for this, and I'm like, but do you really? I mean, is it worth it? Like, I, I, you know, so I'm torn because a lot of people need this and uh, and really want this. Uh, so I, I'm kind of torn. So we didn't grow it this year. We we plateaued it, and we we kind of reduced a bunch of locations that we were planning on. Um, uh, but yeah, we still have camps going, and uh, we're, we're starting to pick up steam now with the U.S. opening up a little bit more. We're saying, okay, well, now we're a little more comfortable with it. At the beginning, we were, you know, like everyone else, just terrified about you know what what COVID, what the landscape meant for strong camp with COVID. Well, yeah, and honestly, because I mean, I, I do personal training and like, I'm a nutrition coach as well. Mm-hmm. So for me, what I've noticed, especially throughout COVID is it's like people need this even more, I think, than what they did prior to COVID happening. And it, it's like, yeah, I think so. everyone feels so isolated. And I think they feel lost with like goals and having gym shutdowns and they, and it's almost like they're, they're, um, they're needing connection from other people that have the same interests. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's been a really difficult time. And if it, especially for people who it's a huge mental health piece for them yeah. to have to, to be able to have physical activity and to be, you know, to train, but also connect with other, with other people with the same that have the same things. So, yeah. 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 Um, I can't, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting it back in, uh, in full steam. Um. So just with like, I mean, who knows what's going to happen next year? Hopefully we'll, you know, be vaccinated and things will be somewhat, I, I can't say normal because things I don't, you know, every, we're, we're going to have a new normal now, but yeah. um, when it comes to your, so the strong camps, is it that you guys choose locations or is it people actually ask you to say, Hey, can we host one in our community? Just so yeah, I have- can like, yeah, we have we have an application process, um, and I'm not entirely sure if it's on the Strong Camp website, um, but we do have uh, an application process for strong, those who want to be an ambassador and and, and run a camp, um, and we have the kind of the whole itinerary and how things right. kind of work. Uh, so we we accept people from across North America, uh, and you know it, it kind of has to fit the brand. That's all. We just we kind of just ask that it fits the brand because i mean you have some trainers that um only do 
Zumba, for example. And I'm like, well, you know, for a weekend strong camp, unless you're having someone that comes in that actually does maybe some, some high intensity training or that does some this, that, or the other, um, you know, it can't just be a Zumba weekend. Fun as that might sound. Um, <laughs> so we try to keep it on brand. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how we, how we do it. Okay. I'll have to look at the website just to see. Yeah. Um, so, so then I was, I, I had mentioned before too, just with, you know, the, the age that we're at where everything seems to be like digital and online, how does that affect magazines? That's, it's, it's tricky. Like we like getting things in the mail, right? Like yes. you order from Amazon and you walk, yep. home, you walk up to the house and you see your package. You're like, Ooh, there's my package. I'm all excited. And magazines are kind of like that still. There's still that kind of feeling like, Oh, here's my magazine in the mail. I know we consume, we still, we heavily consume our, our media digitally now, but there's something about it. you see it in your mailbox, you grab it, and it's like a gift that gives every, you know, every month and you're just kind of uh, happy to have it. So when people subscribe, they love getting the magazine. Even if you consume your content digitally, you love opening your mailbox and say, oh, here's my copy of Strong. Somehow it feels different than um uh, than uh, you know, reading it digitally. But uh, with regards to your question about how it affects magazines, if magazines don't evolve with the time, yeah. um, I mean, there'll be a, there'll be a day where magazines will be a real, real, really a thing of the past. I mean, I can't imagine magazines lasting forever. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and and that's the thing about magazines. They they're meant to to service a need from interior design, car repair. Um, the world's biggest magazine with the largest distribution in history is no longer in business. Can you guess the magazine? Um, oh, I have no idea. TV Guide. Is it really? Think about it. it I guess. Who needs a TV Guide? I mean, we don't consume TV that way anymore. Like what's going to be on cha what channel at one time? We don't do that anymore. We don't have channels we really. If we just download stream stuff live. And stream stuff. You got between YouTube, Netflix, uh, you know, yeah. all the other providers. Like who's going to sit and say, oh, in two hours, this movie is going to start. Who yeah. does that anymore? You know, no. like, yeah. Uh, so and TV, with yeah. magazines, like I, like I still really, maybe it's because I'm old. I don't know. I still crave to have like paper, like to read a book. I would far rather read a book and have yeah. paper than yeah. read a, have like a Kindle. And I, yeah. the other thing I think when you have things like a magazine is it makes you more present and you're less distracted. That's yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. I listen, I, I love magazines too. Uh, but I remember I, I downloaded my entire oxygen collection, my entire muscle mag collection, all this. Stuff. I had maybe 300 pounds of magazines on my iPad yeah. that I could travel with. Yes. <laughs> and as if, for, so there's a lot that goes to, uh, saying towards that, but I guess what I'm saying with magazines is if a magazine doesn't evolve into another kind of business Avenue, I don't think there's going to be much life left for them because, and, and I'll elaborate a little further on that. It's not just about how we consume media, but the profit in selling magazines at a store, it'll get to the point where Walmart, or shoppers or CVS or Barnes and Noble, whatever, will say, gee, you know, we allocate this much geography in our store to sell magazines. And as less people buy magazines, they're going to say, you know, 
we'll make more money if we increase our crayon colors selection or our sewing kit selection or our et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We can put luggage in that space and make more money than selling paper magazines. So it might get to the point where we don't even have a say. We just won't be able to be in stores anymore right. just because it just kind of seems a little you know, old. I mean, when was the last time you went into a store and saw where you can buy a VHS tape or even a VHS machine? I know. You wouldn't be able to find maybe like a thrift Not a, Thrift, if you went thrift shopping, you could totally yeah. buy some VHS, but yeah. even the quality of the VH, VHS tapes now, they're probably, you, you would like, you, you can't buy them. So the ones yeah, you'd find they're... would be old and, and shitty. So Yeah, but but that's kind of the evolution, right? With the Blu-ray, yeah. with the this and that, and the way we consume our media has completely changed now to digital too. I mean, and even instead of buying a magazine, you're just kind of scrolling through Instagram and you say, you know, you could follow trainers, you could follow nutritionists. If, yes. Is it nutritionist? Yeah. Um, you know, you can follow all these people and get lots of advice that, you know, you need in a magazine. The nice thing about the magazine, it's there's a language, there's a personality, and it's like you're toured through the whole elements of fitness into things you might not even, you might not scroll f- through on your own. You might see in a magazine, you're like, oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Totally. So. And when you look through magazines, it doesn't read your mind and then pop up ads about things you were thinking about. Yeah, but that's convenient. <laughs> that's convenient, though. It always no complain me, about though, I'm like scrolling through Instagram and I'm like, why is this ad popping up? I was just thinking about it the other day. It's <laughs> so funny how that happens. They're yeah. watching us, Paul. They're watching us. For sure. Um, okay, so usually I like to throw a couple questions out, just random questions. Um, um, so I'm going to ask you something you believe that others think is insane. Tell me something something you believe that other people think other people think is insane. I think other people think is insane. But that you believe. Oh, oh, things I believe that other people think is insane. Yeah. I, I, I believe in, and I know this is going to sound funny, but I believe in positivity and kindness. And a lot of people think they understand what that means. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, and then, and then they'll post haters be hating. And I'm like, but you don't see the hypocrisy in that. <laughs> like you're, you're actually kind of hating on haters that, like, yes. I mean, I'm not sure you see that. I mean, we have a choice to be positive and we have a choice to be negative. And uh, like I look at, you know, and how, how we put, project ourselves on the Internet, kind of like, you know, uh, going out there and saying, I can't believe that this is a thing or I can't believe that this or I'm disappointed. And then say we have a choice of what we're putting out on social media and we are choosing to put out negative stuff, yeah. not positive, not kind. Like I, what I would love to see in my feed is a bunch of fitness models saying, wow, I, I just checked out so-and-so and her physique is fantastic. I aspire to look like this at one point. <gasps> wow. Would that be a nice thing to read? Right. Yes. Or, Hey, can, listen, I was just over. I just saw this person's uh, post about so-and-so and I think she's doing an amazing job. We should all go and support her. Yeah. Or you look amazing today, but not because it's a friend, but because, wow, you know what? Lift, lift someone up. Totally. And that's kind of, you know, my, my Instagram is, uh, and I, I've muted so much. I, that's why I follow a lot of <laughs> musicians and, and, uh, and motorcycles. <laughs> motorcycles keep me happy. 
Well, I think that's, that's really important though, for people to yeah. do, I guess people will call it like a social media detox, right? What it's like, we can feed ourselves. We don't just feed ourselves with food. And if we feed ourselves with shitty food, we're going to feel shitty, but we also yeah. feed ourselves with, with, um, with negativity and like what we're looking at all the time, then, I mean, it's going to make us feel shitty too. Right. Well, and this is it. Um, it's not so much what we're consuming. It's what we're releasing. Yeah. Right. It, it kind of tells you your headspace. I'll give you an example. And, and you've, we are all guilty of this. You're in a great mood. You scroll through your Instagram and you're, Oh, good for her. Like, Oh, good for her. Like, Oh, amazing. Well done guy. Like, and yeah. you know, you go through it. Now you're not in a good mood and you're scrolling through your Instagram. Oh, I wouldn't have worn that scrolling through, but now you're not liking things yeah. so emotionally. You're not feeling like liking. And then you're at a, and then we could be at another level. And this is something that I refuse to participate in. And that is where you might actually say something derogatory to someone saying, yeah. you know, that was a mistake. I, I don't, I disagree with you on this and that I'm like, why, why feel the need? Why not just say, oh, well, I kind of disagree with that and scroll to the next person and just let it be. It's, it's Mike Tyson really said it nicely. There's a lot of people out there um, too comfortable dis disrespecting people because they're not getting punched in the face. Yes. Totally. Something along those lines. And I was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> there's well, a little truth in that. Well, it's, it's like that, that thing where, you know, well, people will, you know, yell at someone inside their car, but they'd never say it to their face. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's that kind of, yeah. 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 So that, yeah, no, I, I totally get it. Um, and so another question that's yeah. kind of cerebral. Um, what do you believe is true, even though you can't prove it? What do I believe is true, even though I can't prove it? That's a, that's a tough one. Um, well, let's, let's talk about the, the kind of ongoing climate with, with, with COVID. Um, I see why people don't want to wear masks. Mm -hmm. I see why people want to wear masks. I'm saddened that we can't agree to disagree and be polite to one another about it instead of trying to ram whatever our belief is for or against down each other's throat. Um, I can't prove that masks actually work, but I think the downside of a mask might be uh, less than, or where the downside of wearing a mask might be less than if you do wear a mask. I mean, there's so much logic out there why a mask is better. And there's a lot of information out there why a mask isn't. Yeah. Um, so I, I find it so hard because we, we want to believe the information that best makes us happy. Yeah. That, that works within our belief system. Like if you say to someone, you know, we should just ban all handguns, especially to someone who's very pro guns, they're going to get very upset about that. You know, guns don't kill people. And you, you hear all these arguments in the, and the, 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 was the first amendment or the declaration? No, what was it? Anyhow, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, I choose whatever I choose, but, uh, but if you say something like that, you're going to offend people that, that disagree. So why not just kind of have dialogue about, I just, I don't know. I can't, I can't prove masks are good and I can't prove they're bad. And I really don't know. Um, I think personally, I hate wearing them. I, I, hate, I hate wearing them, but I will absolutely put one on to make everyone else happy. 
So in a way, I'm contributing to society in a social courtesy kind of way. Um, you know, the moment I don't have to wear one, I take it off. But, you know, it's kind of like wearing a shirt or shoes in a restaurant. You can't go in there and then pick a fight because, you know, it's my right not to. I say, nah, you know what? Why do that? Just you don't want to wear the mask. Don't go into the place where you have to rather than picking a fight because it's not their fault. They didn't make the rules. No. You know, yeah. and, and that kind of that, that kind of I'm right and self-righteousness on either side is just horrible. And it goes right even with Trump Biden. I'm right. He's right. It doesn't really matter. It's kind of, we're all losing the bigger picture of, you know, what's happening in the economy, what's happening with the political system, regardless of who's at the helm of it, because to be quite honest, they're kind of puppets that really can't change much anyhow. Well, you know what I honestly Uh, comes down to too, is the fact that the only thing you can, can control is your own behavior. Absolutely. (laughs) Of things. Right. And it's like, what is going to make you feel better at the end end of the day without possibly making other people feel like shit, right? It's like, yeah. I don't I mean, just with the mask thing, can you tell me one person you've met that says, I fucking love wearing masks. And even after this is all gone, I'm still going to wear masks because I love them. No, There's of course not, not. Right? No. I think or seatbelts or seatbelts. I don't know anyone that loves right putting a seatbelt on. Like everyone, there, there isn't anyone that loves wearing masks, but this is just no. where we're at right now. It's such an unknown. And I think it's just something that we do, like you said, as a courtesy until we know more or until we don't need to wear them anymore. It's a really small thing. Yeah. But yeah. some people equate it to as having their freedoms taken away. Well, <laughs> you see oh my argument about having your freedom taken away opening like a huge can of worms i know it's and and and, you know the argument's been said the whole seatbelt thing was also taking your freedom away speed limits are taking your freedom away um but these are we call these social agreements Mm -hmm. and we elect people to run the country and make and support or destroy the laws these are social agreements that we all abide by Mm -hmm. And we live in the country where we've elected these people. And if these people say, this is the rule that we're all going to abide by, like drinking and driving is a no-no, like speed limits, like there's uh, age restrictions on alcohol or tobacco use and all this. These are social agreements. These are not restrictions of your liberties. These are things that we all kind of agree to. And in harmony, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a nation, as a country, and as a planet, the we elect a few to make those decisions that will apply for all of us. And, um, as, you know, a civil liberty is, sure, you can, have a, you can have a gun. There's a civil, civil liberty, but sorry, you have to wear a mask, right? Um, but you can't have a nuclear weapon. And, uh, you know, like, you know, you know it's, it's like, yeah. I think we can all agree that's probably in the world's best interest for not everyone to be able to have a nuclear weapon. Totally. But that's taken away someone's civil liberty if yeah. they want a nuclear weapon. They yeah. say, well, what can a nuclear weapon do? It just kills people. It's like, well, that argument trickles all the way down. <laughs> right. Um, so I can't, you know, when it comes to to that belief is kind of like, well, that's I, I understand that not all decisions are going to be, you know, uh, entirely accepted but you know if if the lawmakers have said this is kind of the thing it's like well either we need to re-elect new 
lawmakers that will create our social agreements the way we like them to be, or we shut up. <laughs> like we have to, it's like, sorry, it's just human courtesy now. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So circling back now, because we kind of went off on a tangent there. Sure. Circling, but I, I know that you're a super smart guy and I know that you, I mean, you liked far more. Like, so here's a question then. What other things yeah. are you passionate about besides photography? People probably don't ask you that. Yeah. No, I, well, okay. So I, so it's funny. I, I, I enjoy business. I, I don't consider myself a businessman because I'm, I'm not ruthless. But for me, profits are a byproduct. They're a result of me having fun. Um, the more fun I have, somehow the more profits I make. Um, but, and, and the funny thing is I, I live within my means. Like I, uh, I'm a very, it's not that I'm cheap. It's that I'm, I don't see the need. Like I drive my mom's old car. My mom passed away a little while ago and she gave the car to one of my kids who didn't have his license at the time. And I said, well, I'm going to drive this thing then. And it's an old rusty I'll have to check my registration. Uh, an old rusty Toyota Echo, little four door. It's like a go kart. That's yeah. what I drive. Like I don't, um, but I enjoy business. And so I got lucky. I've been buying. I bought my first condo when I was twenty one, um, and so I've invested in real estate. I bought my my studio. It's a big building. It's a twenty five thousand square foot, uh, an acre of a, a building. It's a giant warehouse. It has five driving bays um it's a really really big building and that was my playhouse i had an electric bicycle that i'd go get around with if i left a hammer over here or some lighting stuff over there yeah. and i did the overexposed shows at the studio we had 600 people there and i had one third of the building closed off <laughs> <laughs> so i had 600 people with lots of room in in two-thirds of the uh, of the of the building so i mean so we started the overexposed show and we were doing that. I started strong. I started, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I own an online, well, an online gambling URL. Yeah. Uh, oh, I mine cryptocurrency along with Monica. We have rigs and we mine cryptocurrency. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else? There's other stuff. I forget. I, 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 I stake cryptocurrency as well. I, I currently accept cryptocurrency as payments. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy business. I, I don't know if you remember, I, went, I, I announced that I was going to be stepping down a bit, stepping back from photography yes. uh, a couple of years back. And what had happened was I found this hotel that wasn't doing very well across the street. That was from across the, the street from the Hard the Rock. The Hard Rock. Yes. Yes. I, I think I told you the story. Yeah. That hotel. And I got, I raised enough money for, with investors and we put in uh, kind of an ad asking offer on the table. And we were back and forth with this, uh, with this guy that, that owns a hotel and he was a foreigner. He didn't live in the country. Um, so I was dealing a lot with his delegates that were, this was a very wealthy Asian real estate kind of guy. And I don't know if he's ever actually stepped foot in the hotel. It's more, I think it's kind of a, like a trophy real estate holding. Oh yeah. I have a hotel in Vegas. In Vegas. Yeah. Um, and so I put an ad ask offer together to buy this hotel. And the deal was, I'm going to go there and I'm going to shoot the pool parties every weekend. And we're going to have crazy pictures and, you know, with the social media. And I was going to be responsible for all the, the party aspect of the hotel. 
and the other partners were taking care of all the, the hotel and that, and I was literally going to just give it all up and do that. That was going to be my thing. And we're talking a lot of money across yeah. the street from the hard rock. Like it was a lot of money. And, uh, and so the guy hum and hawed long enough and the investors like this guy isn't serious. And they went and they invested somewhere else. So then the guy came back and said, well, maybe I'll consider. And I'm like, okay. So I went and I raised all that money all over again with other investors and he changed his mind again. And I'm like, oh. and now, okay. <laughs> so anyhow, so that's why I said, I'm kind of, you know, going to be retiring a little bit because I'm going to be focusing, but I didn't want to say until the deal was done yes. that I'm buying this hotel. So it fell through twice because the guy changed his mind. I raised the money. It, w- it was a done deal in hindsight. Thank God I didn't have it. Cause now I'd be sitting in a hotel in, in, in Vegas with, I don't know what kind of interest payments I'd be making on with no one there. No one. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, you know what I actually forgot about? I was forgot about the pool parties. Yeah. You always, so you usually had one a year, right? Well, actually about four or five, but the, the big one in Vegas is about four or five. It's four or five. I, I usually just, I usually just document like one of them with video. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully those can happen again. Well, I'm going back to Vegas. Uh, I'll be there April 2nd to May. No, sorry. April 28th to May 2nd. Just a short trip. Well, it's a regular trip. I think it's a Wednesday to Sunday. Yeah. Um, So circling back to photography now. So you usually, so now what you do is you travel to, so just for people who are interested in Mm -hmm. shooting with you. So Paul travels across or he has shoots that he lines up throughout the year. Um, and I think, are you done in Canada now? Uh, no, I'm actually coming back to Calgary and Edmonton in August. Okay. I'm going to be in Kelowna, I believe in, in July or June, June in, in, in Kelowna. Um, and I might add some more add locations some in Canada. Yeah, yeah it, it kind of, it, it's, it's interesting the way it happens. Usually it's a, a coach will say, hey, um, you know, I have a bunch of girls that want to shoot. And I say, well, look, if, I, if I'm away from the studio for three days, I lose out this much money. So I need to get maybe five models that are, or five people that are willing to book a shoot while I go there to make it kind of balanced and worth my while. And everyone's like, oh, wow, I can get you 10. I said, well, okay, if you can get me 10, I'm coming for sure. Okay. Right? And they never can. They just think they can. And then they ask their, their people and then no one replies. Right? But if they can think they can get 10, they might be able to get five and I'll promote and advertise. And then ran, you know, another random five might come in and fill up my weekend. Like I announced while I was in Calgary that I'm coming back in August. And I sold out the Saturday, Sunday, sorry, the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in the first day that I announced it um that's 21 that's 21 bookings uh and i've opened the thursday because i'm like well if there's still more people i I may as well open up another day and yeah um the problem is i'm getting older and i'm getting tired uh (laughs) i like i like shooting for fun so i used to uh i used to book 10 people a day 10 hours straight and i just can't take it anymore so now i'm well they're long high energy days yes um so i uh so i'm I'm down to seven to six a day now just spreading it over a few more days and and so when when people book with you um they also so in your price you do have hair and makeup included yeah monica travels with monica travels with with him and monica is like fantastic i love her 
She is amazing. She is. I I have never met anyone that said, yeah, I don't care for her. She's just like the sweetest little, she's petite. She's 85 pounds. I know she's Um, tiny. She is tiny. And she's very, she loves to listen to people and, you know, and people just love talking to her and she is amazing. And yeah, so I I bring her with me. It'd be a lot cheaper to just hire a local makeup artist yeah. Um, rather than flying one out and putting one in a room, but she's worth every penny. Yeah. So, um, so if anyone is interested in shooting with Paul, I mean, you post your um, schedule. I think I think it's on Instagram, but it's on your website as well. Yeah, it's at paulbusson.com. You'll see a big post that says travel yeah. itinerary. And, and any uh, of the information that you need about the shoot is on there. Um, and yeah. if you ever have questions, you can always shoot him an email because you answer everything like personally yeah and um i can't recommend shooting with him more because i know i'm like oh you're coming back to calgary in august i'm like hmm i haven't had a, i haven't done a photo shoot for <laughs> yeah. oh, awesome so when i did my shoot with you i got yeah. 1800 photos yeah that's about right it was about 1800 um he gave them to me that day like at the end of my shoot Yes, that's and, something, yeah, yeah. And none of them needed to be edited. No, well, I appreciate like, you. They were, so. they were like, and so, I mean, I have content for like years just from that shoot. No, thank you. Like I have a social media girl who she does all my posts and stuff now. So mm-hmm. I just gave her access to my folder and she just goes in there and she just, she's like, there's so many photos in here. I can't pick. So, <laughs> so that's like, that's the problem. It's kind of like having too much cash. What do you do with it? <laughs> well, and here's like, so my boyfriend, Mike, as soon as we got those, so we flew, yeah. we flew home um, a couple of days afterwards from Vegas right. and he sat on his computer and he tagged all of his favorites uh-huh. probably in the airport. So it was like an hour, two hours. Mm-hmm. And then he was so sad because his computer, um, he, someone spilled coffee and it got into his computer and it killed the hard drive. He lost all the data on his computer. And so he was like, I tagged all my favorite photos. He's like, I'm I'm like, well, I guess you just have to go through them again and look at all my pictures again. So (laughs) that's a good problem. You know, I mean, I love them, but I think that he might've liked them more. So. Well, that's good. Just that's good. But um, Yeah. yeah, I guess we'll like wrap things up. Um, how can people find you then if they want to find out your schedule and if they have questions or what's the best way? Just either my website or Instagram or Facebook. Um, I go under Paul Buceta for everything. That's Paul B-U-C-E-T-A. Yes. Yeah. And um, yeah. And thank you so much for, for coming on. Well, it's a pleasure. It's um, good, to, we'll good to be to chat. Stay in touch and maybe I can come see you in August. That would be fun yeah and, and uh maybe we should do another another session on podcast and get monica because i think it would probably be quite entertaining to have the two of you together on well sure yeah just chat about whatever so. yeah absolutely 